Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendship and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. I am so excited about today's episode. Today, we're talking about how to get out of debt. I wanted to do an episode on this topic because I know there are so many women in our community who are really struggling in their finances right now. There are so many things that we all dream of doing in life, but for a lot of us, debt is standing in the way of all of those things. You want financial freedom, but reaching that point seems confusing, daunting, and like it will require an unthinkable amount of sacrifice to achieve. I totally understand that feeling. I've been there too. But the things we're talking about in today's episode have helped me so much to get control of my financial life, and I truly believe that they'll do the same for you. To help us with this, I invited my friend Rachel Cruz back on the show. Rachel's an author, a financial expert, and the host of The Rachel Cruz Show. I knew I needed to have Rachel on for this episode because she has helped countless people get out of debt and achieve financial freedom. And the way she does it is so approachable and actually doable. I can't wait for you to hear from her. But before we dive in, I wanted to make sure that y'all have had a chance to check out my newest prayer journal. It's called The Between Places, 100 Days to Trusting God When You Don't Know What's Next. Here's the thing. We all find ourselves in between places throughout our lives. Maybe you're waiting for something, longing for something, or working for something, but it just hasn't happened yet. Maybe you know where you wanna go, but you have no clue how to get there. Or maybe you know you're not where you wanna be in life, but you don't know exactly what needs to change or how to change it, and you don't know how to figure any of that out. Maybe you're trying to make a big decision, but you have no idea which option to choose. Or maybe you're feeling like the whole world has turned upside down in the last few years, taking your life, your plans, and any sense of security right along with it. And in all of it, you're trying to trust God with the future, but you're just not sure how to practically do that and how to quiet the fear and anxiety all this uncertainty has brought up in your heart. That's what The Between Places is here for. Through 100 guided prayer prompts, The Between Places will help you trust God with the trickiest, most uncertain, and most important parts of your life. It'll help you believe more fully than ever that God is good, that He loves you, and that He's taking care of you. It will help you live today with more contentment, step into the future with more courage and faith, and rest in God's peace knowing that He's with you every step of the way. To pick up a copy, just head to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com, and that link will also be in our show notes. Okay, you guys ready? Let's hop into our conversation with Rachel. All right, friends, I am so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. Rachel Cruz, welcome back to Girls' Night. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me back. It's so fun. I'm so happy to see you. I, uh, I'm going to have to look up how long it's been since we had you on the show last time, but it's been, I think, a couple of years, which I'm is crazy. Two, it feels like two or three years. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is this is overdue then. Tell us, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, tell us who you are, uh, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Yes. So I am Rachel Cruz, and my working life is all around personal finance. So I love helping people with their money and how to handle their money. And money is such a—it can be a really hard topic, and it can be a really difficult topic for a lot of people. So any way that I can bring content, whether it's through books or my podcast or media or anything— to help give them direction on what to do with their money. It's my passion and what I love so much. So that's kind of me. I work with Ramsey Solutions as well. Uh, it's kind of the flagship. So when people hear Dave Ramsey or Ramsey, that's it. We're all connected. 
uh, with that. And yeah, a fun fact. Well, I was laughing because I think my fun fact last time is that I peed on stage one time when I was speaking. <laughs> it is my, hands down, my favorite fun fact we've ever, we've done 150 episodes, Rachel, and that is my favorite. Stop. Because it just, it totally, it just got me. It just, I, I can't, it was so good. So blindsided, I know. So I was trying to think of a new one where I was like, I mean, that's a pretty great one. So this is not as fun or exciting, but I will take a lot of pride and say that I might be one of the best sleep trainers when it comes to babies on the planet. So I'm going to give myself that badge. How, what, like, what about you makes you, like, tell me, because I, so I have, I don't know if you know this, I have a 15-month-old twins. So we- Yeah, you have twins. Yes, I do. I have twins. They- um, You haven't done twins. (laughs) (laughs) Singular babies. (laughs) We managed to do it and they sleep great. Um, But I'm so very familiar with sleep training. Is it that, like, is it that you're, like, tough about it or what? I don't know. I think I have a great, listen to me, just pat myself on the back. I always said like, if like crap hits the fan at Ramsey and I have to go get a whole new job, I could either be a sleep trainer or a travel agent or both and like make this whole business. Like I have this whole business idea I could do. No, I don't know. The sleep training, I think for me, I thrive in, in which can be healthy and unhealthy, like achievement and, and, and seeing progress in things. Like it's my, that's definitely my Enneagram and my personality. So I love seeing it. So I do get this like high, this like rush when things are working and there's Uh a process that I put something in and it works. Yep. I can deal with a crying baby for seven minutes. And I have my rules. I have my like kind of my strategy. Yep. But all my babies slept within nine weeks um, through the night. So I don't know, but I'm going to just, that's going to be my fun fact for you. That is, (laughs) that is next level. I wish I had known that like, I could have been texting you being like, okay, just tell me this is going to work. Just tell me this is going to yes, work. Gonna I, be done, okay. I literally, after I had, I mean, now I'm so far removed. I mean, my my youngest is like two and a half. But when I first did it, like with my first and all my friends were having babies, I was like, please text me. Because I even got a high off of helping other people and be like, do this, set your alarm here. We're going to do that. Make sure this, I was like, oh, I loved it. I don't know. Yes, this is it. amazing. I really do wish I had known this like, a year ago. Um, but they, thank God, have been great sleepers. Now we were out for a walk yesterday and and people stop us and go, wow, you have your hands full. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, truly life, life was a lot when they weren't sleeping. But now that they sleep like champions, we're, we're hanging in there. We're doing okay. It, it does a lot. Sleep does a lot yes. for the sanity of the family, for sure. Of yeah. everyone. It's a gift. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love that. Can you I mean, we're going to have to send women back to listen to the previous episode we did with you, but can you give us like a Cliff's Notes about peeing on stage? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I've just, I've always had a really bad bladder. And I think they're literally like, I say this laughing, but I'm serious. I think there's like a meta, I think I have something wrong. Like I really, my husband, at least like four times a year, he's like, babe, will you go see someone? I'm like, I know I need to. I just, oh, like, and my thing is, it's just when I have to go, I literally like, I have to go within those three minutes or like it's done. And so peeing in my pants has been a theme, sadly, through my life. I mean, not like through high school and everything, but I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. It just, and 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 either, and I think, Steph, I think a part of it, I will take ownership that I am like a child that I'm like, before I go in the car or something, I just need to go try. Like, I just need to go try. And I don't always do that. So I, I go on a plane, you know, I'm in a plane or last week I was skiing with my husband. I literally had to stop mid-mountain and I was like, breathing in and out. So I was like, when I was, I'm literally, I'm about to, and he's like, here? And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. So, so yeah, all the same, that's, that's the status. Did you of, pee mid-mountain? 
I mean, I'm going to say like like 5%, which is not a lot for my other history. <laughs> Your listeners are probably like, she's lost all credibility with me. Uh, but yeah, so anyways, no, I was just on stage. Being credibility on Girls Night. This good, is, this good, is like I know. Well, so the ping on stage, yeah, it was just one of those situations. I was on stage and it just hit and I... And I, I tried everything in my power, the way I walked, breathing in and out, like trying to get through it. And I just, and I couldn't. And so I did. I, uh, yep. But I had dark jeans on. And it, I mean, I don't think any, I mean, and I asked the lady after, I said, did you, this is what happened to me. Did you notice? I just need to know. Like, if I just know people know, it helps me deal with it. Yep. Well, but she swore, she was like, oh no, I didn't know. Uh-uh. I was like, okay, okay. So I just. That is some serious focus. (laughs) You were able to like continue on with your message while you're like, I'm currently peeing right now. But I was so distraught. I mean, I literally, this is so TMI. I'm so sorry. But as I was walking, I remember kind of like looking back to be like, is is there like a trail? Like, like what is, (laughs) like what, what is following me on stage right now because of what just happened? That I don't know. People know. They may be, they may see it right now. And I don't know if they can. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible. So now I do have a rule that I'm, I spoke at a church a few weekends ago and before every service, we had three services and I said, I need to go to the restroom. Like I am learning to take care of it. (laughs) That is truly like to this day, my favorite fun fact. It is, yes, no, you don't lose credibility. Truly at girls night, this is how you're like, okay, well, Rachel's one of us now. (laughs) Okay, now we can listen to everything else she has to say. <laughs> oh and my kids God. don't help it, you know. It goes and then it goes even further downhill after kids. You know what? You know what? I love it. Maybe, oh maybe when we do this podcast in two more years, my goal will be to see a doctor before, so I can update everyone in two years when I'm back on with you to say, guys, my here bladder. it is, and here was the exercises or the medicine. Here's what happened, uh-huh. and now uh-huh. it's- we're gonna get a call from like a urologist, like one of our I listeners. Know, that's right. Someone like- is a urologist out there, and you can help me. That's great. <laughs> yeah, Rachel. Here's what you do. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have to recover. (laughs) All right. So we're talking about debt today. And I'm really excited because I love the way that you teach about this. You teach about this in such a way, like such a practical way, um, but also with so much passion, which I love, um, but also as like a real person who likes to live life. You know, it's, I I feel like you, you teach about this in a way that makes sense. And I really appreciate that. So I know that we have women in our community who are in all different places financially. Um, and who have all different dreams for life. But I know that for, I mean, I think all of us really, debt is something that either like is something we've contended with in our life or something that we've like narrowly avoided. And I think for a lot of us, our dreams are being put on hold or are really like sitting under a cloud of debt. And so because you're my favorite teacher on this, I really wanted to bring you on and have you just walk us through how do we get out of this so that we can start living our lives again? Um, So to to kind of kick it off, people have all kinds of opinions on debt. Some people say it's really good to have debt. Some people say that you should keep a balance on your credit cards. Some people say that, you know, debt's very normal and, and, you know, whatever. Where are you? How do you feel about debt? What, What is kind of your stance on it? Yes. So before I dive into that answer, I would say that debt, the definition I use of debt is that debt is owing anything to anyone for any reason. Because I talk to some people and they're like, yeah, I'm debt free, but I have a balance of $26,000 in my student loans. And I'm like, well, that's technically debt. So, you know, so that, we'll just have that definition out there. 
And for me, I just do not believe that there is any good debt out there. So I do believe in living a life completely debt-free. Uh, I'll say with the asterisk, a mortgage is the one type of debt I'm okay with, as long as it's a 15-year fixed rate and your monthly take-home pay or your monthly payment is no more than 25% of your take-home pay. Okay. So if it's kind of in that realm, then I'm like, you know, that's, that's okay. I mean, obviously 100% down on a house would be amazing, but yeah. I know it's not going to be the case, right? It's for a lot of people, but... Is that again, why that's like a... Is that why that gets an asterisk? Because it's like no one has $300,000 in cash. Right. Yes. Okay. And I think, and, and after a while, there gets to be a point where renting, which I think renting is great. Some people are like, oh, it's just wasting money. And it's not because renting can get you in a place where you're actually financially stable, which means you have no debt, you have an emergency fund, and then you purchase a house, right? Like I want people to get to these, this point before they purchase a home. Um, so renting is a great option to that. But then it gets to a point where, yeah, you end up starting to lose money because homeownership, it is a great thing. I mean, you're investing in something that's going up in value and owning a home, I think, um, yeah, is is a big part of your financial plan. So that's one that's one reason. And yes, the cash availability to just purchase a home. Uh, people do it though. I mean, I talk, I have the craziest stories of people that have followed our plan to a T and even saved up for a house, right? And so... Uh, it happens for sure, but uh, but yeah, that's the asterisk. So, so yeah, I'm just, I mean, so I am no student loans, no car loans, no credit cards. So that consumer debt for sure, um, yeah, is I don't teach it because of what it does to you, right? And you kind of talked about it earlier, but there's this level of debt that the math can make sense. Someone can walk me through a plan mathematically that are like, well, if you take out, you know, this loan and instead of paying it off, you invested the interest, you actually end up making more in the market. You know, they can play this math game. But what you have to realize is that personal finance, it's such a small percentage of math. It, it really is your behavior. I always say personal finance is 80% behavior. It's only 20% head knowledge. So what happens is when people just focus on the head knowledge and just focus on the math with their money, they miss out on things. They miss out on the risk of life that happens. Like, a pandemic hits and your entire world is shut down and you can't go to work, you lose your job, your business closes. Well, no one factored that in. No one factors in a medical diagnosis that you didn't expect. No, you know, people don't factor in life when they're just doing the math side of debt. So there's a risk that you take on when you owe someone something. Uh, that's number one. And then they don't factor in the emotional and spiritual side of debt. That when you owe someone something, there's a level that debt takes from you. I mean, it can take your sleep at night. It takes your peace of mind. It takes the reason why you go to work. For many people, they go to work to pay their payments, right? That is the reason they go to work versus going to work, making money and being able to invest in themselves or in a passion they have or give it away or save for their kids. It's going directly to a bank. And so it just steals a lot of these opportunities and options for you. So none of that is factored in when people just look at the math side of debt. Well, it's smart to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not factoring in risk in life and you're not factoring your emotional and spiritual state when you yeah. owe someone something. So there's something to be said about being free from payments that frees you up more than just your money. It frees you up, I believe, in an emotional, spiritual sense as well. That makes a lot of sense. And I think I think we can all relate to that, like debt or just worrying about money in, in general, that it really does... It, you're exactly right. It takes your joy. It takes your peace of mind. It takes, yeah, your ability to fall asleep at night. It takes your ability to dream. It's, it, you can't yeah. dr dream big if you know that it really puts like a cap, a cap on your dreams. And so 100%. that makes a lot of sense. So, okay. 
I want this to be really practical because this is a, this is a practical thing. For women who are sitting here who are in debt right now, how, this <laughs> giant question, small deal, um, how do they get out? Like, what do, what do we do? What's the plan? Yes, great question. Um, I would say a couple of things. First off, if you're married, I want as best as you can, you and your husband to be working together. If you can work as a team when you are married, that is a huge benefit. If you are single, find someone in your life that has the same value systems of you when it comes to money that can be your cheerleader. Because doing this whole thing alone can be very isolating. It can be very lonely. You can get discouraged quickly. You can forget why you're doing it. So to have someone else, I mean, I just believe that we are made for community. So find someone in your life that can at least walk this journey with you. I would say that's one piece of it. And then tactically, number one also is to get $1,000 as an emergency fund. So that's going to be the first thing you're going to do is get a $1,000 emergency fund. And then once you have that, then I want you to start paying off your debt. So you're going to do this by what we teach is the debt snowball. So you're going to list out all of your debts, smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate. You're going to pay minimum payments on everything, and you're going to pay off that smallest debt first. That's the thing you're going to focus on. So even if it's a $400 Nordstrom credit card bill that you just pay the minimum payment on all the time, and you're like, oh, I racked up this, you know, this bill, and it's $400, if that's your smallest, you pay it off first, and you focus everything. And, and part of the intensity of this is the more you're willing to budget, the more you're willing to cut your lifestyle, the more you're willing to say no, the more willing you are to even get an extra job or do something on the side to bring in more income, as much sacrifice as that you can make, the deeper you can sacrifice, the faster you're going to see a result. And so when you're able to say, okay, let's, I'm not going to go shopping for the next, you know, nine months. We're not going on vacation this year. We wanted a fun new car because we just wanted it. We're not going to buy the new car. Like we are doing nothing but putting any extra money towards this debt. And we find that people are paying off all of their debt in 18 to 24 months. And so it's everything but your house. And there's something that happens when you pay off that smallest one. Again, even if it's a Nordstrom credit card, but you pay it off and you're like, oh, wow, that, that bill that's been following me around for the last five months, is gone. Like, I paid it off. I can do this. And then you move over to maybe a personal loan that you have that's $2,000 that you owe your parents from something, right? And you have that and you're like, and you pay it off. You're like, okay, that's gone. And then you move to maybe a, a small student loan that you have. You know, I feel like we have eight or 12 student loans all tapped into one. And so it's like maybe that smallest student loan, you pay it off. And as you keep going down, what happens is this behavior that we were talking about earlier it starts to change to hope where before it could have felt so overwhelming, so scary. And for some people listening, you don't even know what your debt is. You know, when I say list out your debt, smallest to largest, I said that in two seconds, but that could have been the mountain that you have to climb where you actually have to face what you have. Because some people kind of live in this denial where they're like, it kind of just gets taken out here and there. And I'm, I just don't want to look at the total because it's scary. But man, when you start to actually know where you are and you start attacking it smallest to largest, hope starts to interject into your life. Where before it was overwhelming and it was scary, you actually are like, I'm happening to my money. Like I am doing something that is making progress to something incredible, which is freedom. So this smallest to largest um, way versus the highest interest rate versus lowest interest rate, which some people teach, you know, that's the math side that we were talking about earlier, right? And where money, it's not about math. There is a behavior and emotional element to this. And so when you pay off that smallest, debt. It's 
something happens in you that ignites that you think, I got this. I can do this. That's so awesome. I'm like sitting here getting excited. Like that's so, that feeling of accomplishment is such a big deal and and really is such a, like it lights a fire under under you. It's proof that you can. And I think that that's, that's a huge piece of the battle is like, this has been overwhelming me for so long. And I like how you said like, you're now, like your money happens to you. Well, now you're happening to your money. And that's such an important that's such yeah. an important shift. That's so, Absolutely. that's so awesome. And and I will say though, too, for when you're on this journey, you know, it's 18 to 24 months on average. Again, I mean, some people do it less time. Some people will take more depending on how much debt is and how much your income is, all of that. But but there is a level and everyone I talk to that goes through a debt-free journey, like you're going to feel the excitement of doing it, but you're also going to face some hard times because you're changing the way you've been doing money. If debt has been a part of your life forever and you thought that you'd have your student loan for 20 years and then maybe the government will forgive it, you have a credit card that you kind of mess around with, sometimes it has a balance, sometimes it doesn't. You know, car payments, you know, two cars sitting in your driveway, that payment's attached. Like, you've been living this certain way. So when you start on this journey of paying off debt, just to say out loud to people, remember my voice <laughs> because there's going to be friction. Like you're going to you're going to bump up against things during this journey that's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult. You may go backwards sometimes of like, oh, we thought it was going to take us this long, it's taking us longer. Whatever it is, remember there's going to be friction cuz anytime you change in life, anything you've been doing, you're going to feel a little bit of pain, a little bit of friction. You know, I have 3 kids that have attributed to my bladder situation as well. But my <laughs> my youngest, you know, when we I switched their car seats um a few months ago and and I had my two-year-old on one side and my newborn on the other. And they just, and my two-year-old panicked. And she was like, not my side of the van, mommy, not my side of the van. And she just was freaking out through a fit, this whole thing. And as I'm driving, I was like, man, even at two years old, we don't like change. Mm. Like she was comfortable in what she saw, what she recognized. And even though right or wrong, that's where she said it was familiar to her. So as you're going on a journey to change and shift, it's going to start not to be familiar. It's going to be new. But just know that, have the hope though, that what you're changing to in the future is better than your present. Because if you're sitting there with payments and you're going to start to change and you kind of feel that friction, that is good friction because what you're changing to is so much better than where you're sitting today. Yep. And it's so cool because, and you know, we'll talk about this kind of at the end, but like that money that you're like, you know, putting towards your minimum payments and that you're putting towards all these debt payments, like once they're gone, you get to keep it. And that's so cool. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, it, it frees you up with more money that you can yeah. continue to throw at the other debt to pay it off even faster. But just to free it up, you're right. And when you have your income come in and you're like, oh, wow, this percentage that was going to a car payment is now just sitting in my account and I get to decide yeah. what to do with it. There, there's, yeah. yes, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Do you, okay, I know that we have women listening that, you know, for some of us, it's like $400 at Nordstrom or, you know, it's it's $2,000 to our parents to pay off, you know, a car loan or something like that. But I know that there are women listening who are like, like I have a hundred grand of school oh, sure. debt or something, you know? So so for the women who are sitting there, I don't have a hundred grand of school debt. I was able to pay off my debt actually using the snowball right when Carl and I got married, awesome. um, which was so cool. But uh for women who are sitting here going, I'm under a, like, uh, this is this is big, what's sitting on top of me. Can you talk us through that? Because that is just, 
a really, like maybe it's a huge number or maybe, I don't know, maybe like, you know, collectors are starting to call or, I mean, talk to us about that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so those, yeah, those examples were for that small ends of your debt snowball, right? But you're right. I mean, they're easily, I mean, six figures of student loan debt, sadly, is like become normal. Like that has become a normal thing. Um, so it does, it, it can feel so overwhelming. But what I say, it's just one piece at a time. And so that's why I do love even the debt snowball method is even if that $100,000 of student loans is broken up into smaller debts within that, right? Smaller student loans, go ahead and list those out individually so that you can feel those quick wins. But I would also say that, yeah, it may take you a little bit longer than, than the time frame I just gave, but to know that you can do it. Like I'm sitting in my seat and I hear daily, daily, people becoming debt-free because they chose to and they had the hope that they could do it. And so you really have to have this belief that yes, it can feel overwhelming and it's exhausting to look at and it feels daunting, but being able to map out a plan to start attacking that smallest to largest is gonna help and also celebrate the wins. Like have markers throughout your plan to say, okay, once we get out of $20,000 of the student loan, we're going to go and enjoy not a super fancy dinner because I want a lot of that going still to your debt, but like go and enjoy something. Like go and take time away and celebrate the wins. You have to be able to look back at what you've accomplished. You know, my husband and I, we just went skiing last week and, and we were doing, it was just him and I, we left the kids at home. And so we were doing some of these hills that I'm like, oh gosh, I haven't done like a black in six years. And you, and, and I'm in it and I'm honestly like, okay, yeah, I got this. Like, it, I don't know, I just came back to me. But then I look back up at the hill and I was like, Look at what we just did. We just came off a cliff is what that looks like. But when you're in the middle of it, all you see is one side of the mountain to the next, right? It's like, oh, you want to be able to stop mid-mountain and look up and be like, look what we just did. Like you want to be able to celebrate. So please celebrate the wins as you go. Don't have your head so focused down that it's like you almost just end up losing steam. You have to be able to take a break, take a breath, look up and celebrate and look at what you've accomplished. I love that. Well, so that's the next thing I was going to ask you is like, you know, we have our, our debts listed out smallest to largest and we're paying minimum payments and we're putting everything we can towards the small one. And then once we're done with that, we put all that into the next one. But like, how restrictive should we be? Like, how how much should we be paring back our life? And is it like, we can have no fun. We can eat <laughs> no good food. We don't shop ever. You know, I mean, like how how restrictive are we getting here? And then is that realistic? Like to put every single extra dollar, can we sustain that? Yeah, I would say the deeper you're willing to sacrifice, the faster you're going to get out. And so for people that I talk to that have, I mean, like deep pain with their debt, right? That, that their marriage is falling apart. They feel like this thing is taking them. They're in a job they hate and they want out so fiercely that they don't care. Like they really will have, you know, $300 a month for groceries and that's it. Like, like or whatever it is, right? Like they will pare down or 200. They will pare down their lifestyle so deeply because they so deeply want out. And those are the people that you see and you're like, dang, like they did it. And what's funny is you become efficient in one area of your life and then other things start happening. So hearing people that they you know, not only worked more, but they got a raise at work because of their diligence, even at work, because they're being efficient in one area. And you like, you just, you see this combination happening all the time. You're like, man. So I would just say the deeper you're willing to sacrifice, the faster you're going to get out. And it's for a short time. Like, I'm not telling people to do this for, for 12 years of their life. Again, on average, it's two years, two to 
two years, for two years of your life. And, and what you kind of start to see too is you kind of start seeing, golly, I just buy so much crap I don't need. And we waste so much money and we're not thinking about our spending and we're just going to a restaurant and be like, yeah, sure, let's order the, let's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you sometimes don't even have the money to do it. And when you actually live on a budget and you're like, oh, wow, if I could throw this extra here, that's going to not just pay for the interest of the debt, but it's going to get me that much faster. You start to be motivated by it to say, you know what? Let's don't go out to eat for six months and see what happens. Everything we were going to spend, let's throw it at the debt. So yeah. again, it's everyone's personal take, but I would say sitting in the seat that I'm in and knowing the stories that I know, the people that are willing to sacrifice, um, they do it. And they also, yes, they're able to find fun. You're able to do things that you know you never thought because it actually makes you be creative. When you mm. don't just have this level of like, oh, we're just going to go spend and spend and spend. It almost can be this band-aid to go and do. But when you say, I'm not, it forces you to think creatively and think of different options. And there's, there's a joy in it too when you're doing it with people. So that's what I was going to say, you know, whether it's your spouse or, you know, a, a good friend that you know who's cheering you on, like having people in your corner to say, you got this. Like, and looking at the map, it's like, yeah, I got nine more months. I got nine more months. I can do this. Uh, it's an amazing feeling. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Oh. 
Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. I love the way that you just put that. Like, you... I feel like this is a great opportunity to make a memory with someone. Like there, there was this moment, and I don't know if this is going to make any sense to anyone outside of my marriage, but when Carl and I were first dating, he was moving from a house into an apartment. And the apartment was like a couple floors up. Uh, it was one of those where like the hallway is outside, like the stairs yes. in the hallway, are, they're concrete and they're outside. And we had to get a queen size mattress up the stairs like into his apartment and it was just us. And I'd never moved a queen size mattress by myself, <laughs> let alone upstairs um, before. And so we did it though. And I mean, we're kind of having like the friends moment of like pivot. And, and that's you know, exactly what I thought of. I was like, are you yeah. Ross? <laughs> yes, yeah, we're doing the whole thing. Um, but we got it up the stairs and we were so proud of ourselves afterwards to the point where like, we, we laugh about it now because that's not like that big of a deal. But for really the last eight years that we've been married, we always say like, we can do anything. I mean, we got the mattress up the stairs. And so, yes. I mean, we've said that about starting businesses, about, I mean, we said that a lot when we were having, you know, infant twins. We're like, well, we got the mattress up the stairs, so we can, we can do, do this. this. And it yeah. just was like a funny example of like, we can do this. And, and that's a really cool thing to get to look back on in your, whether it's you doing it or whether you're doing it in your family, you get to remember the creative things that you did in the absence of, I don't know, your normal routine. And yeah. then also you get to like, what What else can you do together? If you guys can do this together, like what's next? Absolutely. That's and really that's what's cool. so funny is like when I talk to couples that do it, married couples specifically, and they get through it and they always say our, our marriage is the best it's been. And it's not because they went through a marriage course and they were, you know, but but you you learn these things because there is a tie that brings you together. There's an intimacy that's created when you do the impossible. So just like you were saying, it's impossible for us to get this freaking mattress up four lines of stairs. There's no way. And then you do it and you're like, oh my gosh, we did that. Like, yeah. yes, and it does. It's that theme. I love that theme. I love that you guys even call back to that because it's like, if I can yeah. do the mattress, I can do anything. We can do this together. 
Yes. And this is a thing that like, you are doing the impossible. Everyone says you can't live without debt. There's no way you can be debt-free. I mean, you hear constant messages of what life is supposed to look like, and there's no way you can do it with cash. But when you do that with someone, there is there is a bond that is created that is an incredible thing. So that it's the it's a it's a byproduct of getting out of debt, I think, when you're married and you do it with your spouse. That's just awesome. Yeah. And I mean, if you're doing it by yourself too, it's like what an incredible sense of accomplishment. And I love that you've seen people succeed more at their jobs when they're being really diligent and really disciplined in one area of their life, it spills over. And yeah, when you finish climbing this mountain, you go, okay, well, I had no idea I could do that. What else can I do? And then you get to go find out. And that's just a really cool thing to do, whether you're doing it with a spouse or whether you're doing it by yourself. Are there some things that you've seen, because I mean, you've watched so many so many people go through this journey that speaking of being creative, are there some things that like can make this journey a little bit easier or more fun along the way? Yes, I would say, I mean, your attitude has a lot to do with it, right? So if you go into and be like, this is gonna be terrible, this is gonna be terrible, and you wake up every day and talk about how terrible it is, it's probably gonna be terrible. But if you look at it and say, okay, what, yeah, what is that creative thing that we can do? What are things that we can think outside the box? What's a fun challenge that we can have, a no-spin challenge this month? And make it fun and interesting and enjoyable. Like the attitude that you have going into it and during the process is going to make or break you. I mean, there's there's a level of like, yeah, we're doing this for a reason. And yes, it's going to be hard. There's going to be friction like we talked about. But that attitude, I think, is is a big part. And then I would say, too, the, the quick wins that you can find. So even, this is really tactical, but even pausing your 401k during this time and any retirement that you're doing, any investing, pausing that to throw at the debt snowball will give you some money to go and throw at this debt that you can get some quick wins. Look at your all of your insurances. Like, this sounds so nerdy and I know it's not that exciting, but like go through and be like, okay, I'm gonna go and, you know, reevaluate all that we're paying in insurance. Like people are finding thousands of dollars that they're just paying to insurance because they haven't found a new quote in years, right? So like, if there's things you can do in your everyday life and everyday payments, um, looking at subscriptions that you ha- have and you don't even realize you have them, like going and finding this quick money is is helpful. Like that's going to give you some energy as well. So that's that's a part of it. But yeah, but I think too on the on the third side is like, yeah, what are those creative things that you can do as a family? What are things that are you're going to have to force yourself to do where you would have just paid money to do fun? What are the things you can do for free? Yeah. Um, yeah, and you and I hear everything from, you know, going to a local winery or going to listen to live music that's free out in a park or going with your kids and actually like playing outside, doing things that they want to do. Like it's, it's amazing when you actually stop and say, okay, if I'm not going to put money to something, what are things that we can do? And the options, they're there. And yeah, I think it's more tiring. It takes probably more effort, more work. It's not as um, seamless always. If you're like, oh, we could just go buy and rent a movie and that would be so much easier. Like, what are the things that you can do that are different and that that gives you energy as well? Yeah. So I know budgeting is a big part of this. And I think that for a lot of us, when we think about budgeting, it kind of feels like being on like a permanent diet, which sounds terrible. <laughs> um, but I know that there's a different way to think about it. And like, yeah, just a different perspective. So talk us through that first. With budgeting, why is it not just this super terrible permanent money diet? Yes. Oh, well, I felt like that for a long time. I'm a I'm naturally more of a spender than even a saver. I love I love spending money, so that's like my natural bent. I'm more of a free spirit, so details and all of that. I'm like, oh, so budget to me was terrible. I mean, I just thought 
it felt like every time someone said the word budget, it was negative. It was like, well, we can't go shopping. We're on a budget. Or we're not going on vacation. We're on a budget. I'm like, yep. people in budgets are not fun people. Like, that is not <laughs> the life I want to live. I want to enjoy my life. Yeah. And so, for me, I started to realize, you know, my husband and I, we got married— and he's the one a few months in that was like, we need a budget. And I was like, oh, I know, like in my head, of course, I knew we should. And so we started living on it and it didn't work the first few months. And then it kind of started working. And so we were li- we were living with one. We did one every month. And then we had this vacation that we took. And during the vacation, he said to me, don't worry about the budget. Like I will, we have a, vac- you know, we had a vacation number that we were going to hit, you know, that we could spend. And he was like, I'll take care of it. Don't think about it. And it's so funny to me, even being a spender, I was at the pool and I wanted to order some snacks, right? Like chips and guacamole and all that. And I found myself hesitating so much because I didn't know how much we'd spent already. And I mm-hmm. found myself, and I'm the spender, right? Like, and I'm the, and I'm the free spirit. This is not me. I was like, Rachel, who have you become? <laughs> but I realized in this moment sitting at that pool where I was like, I feel out of control. Like, I realized for the first time in months, I felt out of control with my money. And a budget gave me control that I didn't know I even wanted or needed. And so for me, I look at a budget as permission to spend. That when I know what's in my clothing line item on the budget, I can go to J. Crew or Loft or whatever I want to do online and buy clothes. And I'm not feeling guilty. I'm not second questioning, oh, is this okay? Is this, do I have enough money here? Are we going to be tight on this? Oh, gosh. None of that. None of that. I don't have any of that because I have a plan and I know what I can spend. So for, for everyone out there, a budget doesn't mean that you have to say no your whole life. Does it give you guardrails to live within your means? Yes, but that's a goal in our whole financial life that we want. We don't want to go into debt. So it does give you those guardrails, but it also gives you just the sense of control and peace where you think, man, I can actually spend and enjoy in areas because I've set money aside to do it. Like I know what I have and I can enjoy it that much more. Yeah. I think that when we don't, when we don't have a budget, well, so so when Carl and I first got married, we ended up with a little bit of debt, like from a couple of different places. It was just like, you know, wedding plus moving mm-hmm. plus just, it, there were just a, it was almost like we, we, like we just got busy for a month. And so then we ended up not paying off our credit card that month. And then before we knew it, it was like, there was a little bit of a balance there and that had never happened for either yeah. of us before. And so that was, um, that plus I had a little bit of college debt that was when we were like, okay, so what is this debt snowball thing? Like, how do we get started with that? But then our our task was to create a budget. And I had never had a budget before. And it felt really restrictive. And I'm the same way. I'm like, the budget people are terrible. Like, that's not fun at all. But And at first, it was really hard. But then the mm-hmm. more we got into it, it really did feel like it gave us permission. and And we were able to go out to lunch because we knew that going out to lunch wouldn't mean that we didn't have money for this. Like we were able to actually enjoy spending that money in that place. And there have been times where we haven't been as diligent about like keeping track of every every dollar. Yeah. And I, I find that what happens in those times, even though like we're still totally fine, it's more like there's this constant sense of we need to cut back. So it's like we need to kind of, like we hesitate to spend money anywhere because... We don't know exactly how much we have to spend on each of these things. So it's this constant feeling of we're doing too much. We need to spend less instead of going, okay, well, we need to maybe eat out a little bit less, but also we have money for shoes. You know, we're yes, like, you know, I, right. I need to get some new shoes. That doesn't mean that I won't have money for this 
category or something. So yeah, it's this constant, it's this overall like belt tightening feeling that you don't have to do. You don't have to tighten all the places if you're budgeting and if you know where each dollar is supposed to go. Yes, you're exactly right. And I use the app every dollar and it connects to your bank. And so all your transactions from your debit card come into this app. And then I do, I mean, almost every day, it's kind of become a game where you like click on the transaction and I drag and drop them. I'm like groceries, Costco, uh, clothes, or our kids each have like a line item. So if they, you know, have school pictures or something, I drop that transaction into their line item. Like I sit there and just organize. And then I see on that app, I'm like, oh, we have this much and out to eat and it's the 27th. Well, Winston and I are going to go out to a nice dinner because we're going to spend it and we have it and it's fine. Like, you know, yep. you're, you're able to enjoy and plan and know. I was talking to a friend and we kind of think a little differently with money. And so it was a friendly conversation. We were just talking. And remember she said, she's like, God, I just work too hard to budget every dollar. I just want to enjoy. And I was like, that's so interesting. And I said out loud, I was like, I just feel like I work too hard not to plan and know exactly where my money's going. Like, I want my money to work for me and me not work for my money. And so it's a mindset shift kind of in it too, to say, you know, this isn't to berate you or to keep you from doing stuff by tracking things. It's actually to give you more freedom to say, oh, wow, we can do more. And people that that have never budgeted before and they start to budget, it feels like you got a raise because you do not realize all the small transactions that you do throughout a month that you don't even realize even and how much it adds up when you actually look and see it. And you're like, oh, wow, this much could be going towards paying off debt or like I could actually use this money to maybe if you are debt-free to, to save up for an emergency fund or to invest it or to spend it or to give it. Like you actually know where it's going. So I would say for anyone that's never budgeted before, do a zero-based budget. So this means you're going to do one every month before the month begins. So you're going to look at next month and you're going to say, okay, uh, you know, as we're recording this podcast, next month is March. Mm-hmm. You're going to look at March and you're going to say, okay, here's how much I think I'm going to make. If you're on salary, it's very easy. If you're on commission, it might be kind of a guesstimate, but just figure out here's how much I'm going to make. And if you're married, your spouse's income is included. So you put that at the top. Then you're going to list out everything. You're going to list out giving. You're going to list out any debt payments you have. You're going to list out your mortgage your or your rent, lights, utilities, cell phone, insurance, food, groceries, and out to eat. I mean, you're going to list out all the categories you you spend money on, but dollar amounts next to each of those categories. And you can go back to the past previous months just to see, hey, how much have we spent at the grocery? And use that as a starter. And then your, your goal is for your income minus all of those expenses should equal zero. So every dollar coming in is already assigned to a category. Okay. Now, if you've never budgeted before, you probably are overspending on groceries. You pro- probably are overspending on out to eat. You probably are overspending on some categories. Yes. Out to eat so, is always our, like, it's terrible. I know. Yeah. It's terrible. I know. Yeah. We're the same way. But you're going to look at those numbers and think, okay, we can shrink those. Like, we actually have a plan and I can do grocery shopping in this. And we're going to take any extra money from this budget that we can squeeze out and again, throw it at the debt that we were talking about earlier. Um, and you're able to do that. And then once you're debt-free and you have an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses, then you can kind of take your foot off the accelerator and say, okay, we are going to add some more money back in out to eat and have a little bit more margin and enjoy, or I'm going to add more back in clothing. I'm going to, you know, you're able to spend more because you actually have the income. Your income comes in and when you're debt-free, you get to use it and say, what do we want to do with this? So, so the budget is a powerful thing, but give yourself three months to get it right. Okay, the first month is going to be terrible. Second month, there might be some stuff. Ooh, by the third month, you're going to see some consistency and know, okay, this is happening. So I would say that. My last budgeting tip I'll say is always throw in a miscellaneous category. Have some money that's just miscellaneous because stuff is going to come up, whether it's 
you're in a book club, you got to buy a book or kids, you know, are starting a sport and they need new cleats. Like whatever it is that comes up that you didn't plan for before the month began will fall into that category. So have a catch-all category as well. Okay. I like that. I know that um, was a lot, but... No, it's so good. The budget, it's, so it's so helpful. It really is. There's, um, I don't know. Are you a great British baking show person? <sighs> I'm not. Oh, man. Okay. It's well, great. it's okay. I mean, it may not... It, it's like life for some people and it's not for some other. But there's uh, one of the judges on Great British Baking Show. Love it. Um, it's currently my like go to sleep show, um, like wind down show. Uh, but she always talks about things being like worth the calories or not. And I kind of feel like that. It's like, it's always a bummer when you're spending money on something that you don't even want or you don't even like, you don't even care about. And it's like, that's not worth the money. That's not, or you eat, like you eat something and it's not even that good. Like I would have rather eaten something that was actually worth the calories and something delicious for, yes. you know, for, for spending that. I'm thinking particularly about, I have a $10 Planet Fitness subscription that I have been paying for like probably eight years. And Carl's like, oh, are you going to Planet Fitness a lot now? Stuff like these <laughs> days, you know, I mean, no, I haven't been in literally years and it's $10, but like that is not worth $10. That is not worth my $10. I'd rather have it back and... I don't know. Go enjoy lunch or coffee or say, yeah, yeah, yes. actually use it. Yes. Anything yes. else. Yes. That's not worth the $10. Um, okay. I love that. So you mentioned every dollar. Can you talk us through a couple different ways to keep a budget? Because that's the other thing. There are a lot of options out there and keeping track of it, that also feels hard. For sure. Yeah. So that's why I love every dollar is because it attaches to your bank account. So all your transactions from your debit card within that bank are going to show up. So whether it's gas or if you're traveling, I mean, anything, right? Anything is going to show up in that and you can drag and drop it to the appropriate category. And so it does the math for you. It, I mean, it's just, it, it really is the best way to, for me to steer people when it comes to just like an app on your phone. Now, some people just do Excel and they keep their receipts and they manually just go and put in their transactions. Awesome. And that's awesome. Yeah. If you can do that, that's great. I mean, for some people, even it's like a yellow pad and they just have a sheet of paper that they just do it that way. I mean, so you have a gamut for sure. But if you were going to go and purchase an app or do that, I would do I would do every dollar because it's the way we teach about budgeting. Um, and it's the most realistic, I think, with having your transactions come in so you're not having to manually put them in. But some people want to and that's what they love and that's great if that's you. So yeah. more power to you. Okay. You would um, sell people. Yeah, I know. God bless you. When God Carl and I first got married, we were planning our wedding and we had, he wanted to make a spreadsheet so we could keep track of like how much the flowers were and, you know, what we had yeah. budgeted for dress and all these things. And he found out very quickly that I do not know how to use Excel. I just <laughs> don't know how. I mean, I know how to put things in boxes, but like, you know, doing things automatically. And I don't know, there are so many things. And still, like to this day, I try to do some Google Sheets and I have them, but like, He'll see him and go, this makes zero sense. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm the same with you. I'm the same with you. It'd be a disaster. Yes. Yeah. 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 Some people are amazing. Yeah. Okay. Let me see. So when we do, well, okay. This is, this is kind of a, not controversial, but like a little bit. I know that there, there are opinions on either side of this. Talk to us about credit cards. Like when we, I personally am a credit card person but I'm a pay it off every single month kind of person. And and honestly, if we had had, if that time in our life where we ended up with a balance that we couldn't pay, if that was like a habit or if that mm -hmm. was something that was deeper or, or harder to get out of or something like that, then I think 
I wouldn't mess with it at all. But that really, other than that one brief moment, has never been a thing for us. And so I have it for, you know, airline points and things like that. And I know a lot of people do. But what do we need to think about? Like, what are some, mm-hmm. think through this if you're going to have a credit card things? Because I know that you guys are, I know, we're hardcore. We're hardcore, yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, yeah I, so know. I would say, I know. No, I just say a couple of things. Now, are there, yes, are there people that pay it off every month like you guys? And I meet people all the time, they're like, I paid off. I'm like, yes, is that possible? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I'd say the first bucket is that, that conversation. And for some people, they they can't. They really do depend on it to pay bills and they keep a balance because they don't have the money. I mean, it, it ends up being a bad habit, right? It's kind of that you play with snakes, you make it bit kind of thing. Yeah. The second bucket, I would say there is, there are studies that show you do spend more when you spend with a credit card. There is a yeah, psychological okay. thing that when you are spending and swiping, it is not your money that you're spending. So there's a level of percentage that you do end up spending more. It's funny. I had a friend that worked here. This was probably four years ago. And he left, but we were still good friends with him and his wife. And he said, he was like, Rachel, I'm going to tell you, I got a Southwest credit card. I was like, you did? He was like, I did. I did. And he said, and I had it. We had it for about five months. And he goes, and I realized I got to get rid of this thing. He was like, I would just go into Academy Sports and I'd be like, oh yeah, we have the money. And he's like, and I would just throw in kind of extra stuff. He's like, with he said subconsciously, he's like, I didn't even realize what I was doing. And I left and then the bill came and I was like, oh man, I can't believe we spent that. We have the money to pay it. But man, if that was my money coming out of my account, it changes. There's a psychological thing. So I do believe, and I stick with the studies that you do spend less when you when it's your money. And a debit card will do everything a credit card would do. We rent, my husband and I, we just went skiing. We checked into a beautiful hotel. We got Uber. We did a rental card to the, you know, we we did everything with a yeah. debit card. So I would say that for me, it, you are going to spend less, you are going to spend more, statistically speaking, on a credit card. And then yeah. the third bucket, which I will throw in here, not to make you feel bad, Stephanie, or anyone listening. You're fine, you're fine. But a lot of people do it, you know, for the, the, the airline miles, you know, or the points and all of that. And again, you look at it, you're like, yeah, that does make sense. If I'm going to have to pay for gas, no matter what, might as well get some airline miles from it. But yep. for me, I'm just so... The whole industry just grosses me out. It's so toxic because I see the belly side of it and it's gross. And so what's happening is we're getting, yeah, quote unquote, free miles and points, not because that MasterCard or Visa is this generous entity that wants to help out people. It's because that there are people out there that can't pay their bills. And they're making so much money off of people that are mismanaging their money. And then on the, on the benefit side, we get to take advantage of that. And so it's almost like the lottery. I'm like, you go and pay the lottery, so that I, who are a upper-class citizen, can get the Hope Scholarship in Tennessee to go to college, but I'm doing it because of lottery tickets that are being purchased in an area code that is below the poverty level. It's like the, you know, poverty people paying for people to go to school. Do you know what I'm saying? It's that same thing for me, and I'm like, it's just gross. Like, I just don't want anything to do with it. So that's my personal conviction. So yeah. we went on Southwest, and yes, we paid for the ticket full, but... We did. And I'm like, I just yeah. don't want to mess with it. So that's kind yeah. of my my stance with credit cards. That's not to... That's, no, you're fine. <laughs> I'm not that, judging. No, that all makes sense. I really do think... I completely agree with that. If, if, if I were spending on a debit card and you know that like... That you're... I don't know. Yeah, your bank account is going down little by little with every swipe. Like that is definitely a different mental thing. I, I completely agree with that. I think that I would spend less money if it was coming out of... My debit card. And that makes a lot of sense that like credit cards, they're, the business model is that they make money when people don't pay off their bill. That's and right. that's, I mean, that's how the 
That's how they make money. It's it's the industry. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes total sense. And and those are really good things to to think about as we try to decide. And let me say this too, with another asterisk of this whole debt conversation, like for me, debt is not a sin. It's not a salvation issue. So if you are someone that is a believer, you can get into heaven with the Southwest credit card. Like, I don't think that it's (laughs) something we have to like confess our sins at all. For me, it's just the wisest. What's the wisest way and the fastest way for me to get to point A to point B with my money. If my husband and I, we want to do, you know, invest in real estate, like whatever that thing is, you want to get out of debt, like whatever that thing is to get to point A to point B, what's the fastest way? And an element of being completely debt-free, even without credit cards, it is the fastest way. So that's that's the reason. It's 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 a wisdom thing. It's not a, it's not, it's not a sin issue. So let me just yeah. say that too. <laughs> I love that. Rachel, this is exactly why I want to have this conversation with you. I love this. So we're talking about all this. What do we do after? Like when we, you know, there's a lot of talk about like, you know, getting out of debt and then what? What's the next step? I mean, there is the element of like getting to add a little bit back into all of our categories, like specifically eating out for me. Um, But what do we do? What's the next wise step with our money once we are debt free? Yeah, so the next step you would do, and I would say to kind of keep a little bit of that intensity you had when you're paying off debt is to build up an emergency fund. So get three to six months worth of expenses. You can have this in a traditional savings account or a money market account. This is not to be invested. This is just to be a safety net for you. And at this point, it's amazing. Like when you have no payments and you have, you know, five months worth of expenses saved up in the bank, it puts you in a totally different place. Like you can actually breathe. You can quit the job you've you've always hated. If a pandemic hits, you're not freaking out because you have no bills and you have savings. Like, so that, that's the next step I would do for sure is that emergency fund. And then from there, yeah, you want to be investing 15% of your income into retirement. So that's 401k, Roth IRAs. Um, if you have kids, that next step would be to open up a kid's college fund. So an ESA or a 529. And then throw any other money you have toward paying off that house um, that you have. And so the mortgage is not part of that debt snowball. That'll be later on. So those are kind of the more tactical steps. But what I think it does too is it just, it frees you up to dream again, to be like, okay, you know, once we have no debt and an emergency fund, then we want to go to Disney or we want to go on this great vacation or I want to take a girl's trip to Cabo for so long. Like, I'm actually going to save up and do it. Like, it frees you up to do things that you want to do. And so um, while you want to take care of retirement and college and all of that in the future, that's a small part of it. You can kind of take your foot off the accelerator at that point and say, okay, yeah, I am freed up. What do I want to do? And so having goals, I think, is really key. Have a year-long goal, have a five-year goal, even have a 10-year goal, even though that'll probably change. But but look out in the future and say, what do I want to do? Do I want to upgrade car? Do I want to do I want to give more? We haven't talked really about giving a lot in this, but that's a huge part of our message is like when you live like no one else and you sacrifice and you get out of debt, later you get to live and give like no one else. You know, part of building wealth is not just to keep it all and buy more stuff, even though it's not necessarily wrong. There's a point that it just doesn't become that exciting anymore. And so the giving aspect of this, when you can have the joy of giving and actually have the margin to do it, it's an amazing thing. When you can write a check for $10,000 and buy someone a car that needs it, like there's no, there's no, there's no replacing that. Like there are things that you can do with money as a tool to completely radically change people's lives. And it's an amazing thing. So that's another part of this that you get to do that you're not able to when you live paycheck to paycheck. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Two like quick follow-up things. So one, at the very beginning, you talked about putting away $1,000. I didn't ask more about that, but I want to make sure too, because I know that there are women who are like writing this down and I know we'll link to 
I know we have some resources from you. We'll link to those on the show notes. But talk to us about the $1,000. Why do we start with that? Yeah, so your $1,000, that's your emergency fund. So that's while you're getting out of debt. If something happens, you can go to that. Now, if you're getting out of debt and something big happens, that's more than $1,000, you can pause your debt snowball, save up that cash you were going to be putting towards debt and throw it at that emergency. But that $1,000 is there. And some people kind of hate it because they're like, that's not a lot of money. Gosh, that scares me that everything will be taken down to $1,000 and that's all I have. But I want you to get through this step quickly because when you make the decision to get out of debt, I don't want you to have to save for another three months to have some pile of money in the bank to then start getting out of debt. Like, I want you to do this quickly. So this $1,000, I want you to get in 30 days or less. Like, I want you to cut stuff out. I want you to sell stuff, get an extra job on the side, like do whatever you get. Like, you want to get this step quick because it gives you that momentum to propel into paying off debt. So that emergency fund of $1,000, that's your step one. You can put that again, like we said earlier, in a savings account. You can keep it at home, like whatever you want to do. You just have it there that that's your safety net. And then you go to start paying off debt. Okay. Um, And then once we're done, is it three months of an emergency? Like three to six. So if you're you're single um, and no one's really dependent upon your income, you could could do three months and feel great. Um, If you are commission-based and you have five kids, you probably want to go maybe more six months just to be a little bit safer. So it kind of depends on your status in life and your income stream and all of that. But it's funny, most women want closer to six months to have a little bit of that security where most uh-huh. dudes are like, oh, yeah, three months, I'll be fine. Don't, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm such a safety net person. <laughs> um, okay, that is so that is so awesome. Um, Rachel, I really appreciate this. I, I love the way that you talk about money and that, that money is a tool and that so much can be done with it, so much good, so much fun can happen with it, um, but that it really, I just, I love the picture of, of freedom that you paint. So for women who are sitting here like, okay, uh, this is about like a giant thing looming over me forever, but I think I'm going to, you know, take a leap. Is there just like a last piece of encouragement you could give? Yeah. Again, it's one step at a time. So it's going to feel overwhelming at first, but once you get in this new rhythm, it's amazing when your habits change, your mindset shifts, this could be the starting point. Today could be the day you're listening to this and you're like, you know what? I'm going to figure out how much that I have. I'm going to, I'm going to find that thousand dollars quickly. I'm going to do this. I promise you, you will look back in six, nine, 12 months and be like, I can't believe that I was doing it another way. Like once you start tasting this freedom, you just think, how did I do it before? I can't believe it took me this long to realize, right? You kind of start to have these thoughts of like, man, because my thing always is once you're completely out of debt and you hate it, you can easily get back in. Like if you hate being debt-free, you are, it is America, you can choose to go back in debt. (laughs) Um, But for so many people, it is. It's like this, man, but it's that first step. It's kind of that deciding, okay, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to engage in, I'm going to engage in change. I'm going to engage in something difficult and something hard and sacrifice. But man, as you go through it, you will find the joy of it is there. It is because you're not being owned by your money anymore. And for so many people, it is. Their money just owns them. And when you can flip the script and you're the one in the driver's seat being like, no, I'm actually going to be in charge of my money. I'm going to tell my money what to do. There's something that releases and it's it's an amazing thing. So anyone can do it too. Any debt level, any income level. I've seen every dollar amount you could imagine. And the person on the other side who does it believes that they actually can. And that belief is huge. That's so awesome. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad to get to talk to you again. And just thank you for all the work that you're doing with this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I so appreciate it. You guys, isn't Rachel amazing? I just love having her on the show. 
Don't forget that if you ever want to find the links for anything we talk about in our Girls' Night episodes, you can always find those links over in our show notes. Just head over to girlsnightpodcast.com and you'll find links for everything, including links for Rachel so you can pick up her books, watch her show, and follow along with all the great stuff she's doing. All right, friends, that's it for today's episode, but we have so much good stuff ahead this season. And with that in mind, now is the perfect time to make sure you're subscribed. Subscribing to the show is the best way to make sure you never miss an episode. It won't send you an email or anything. It just makes sure your phone downloads the latest episode when a new one's released. And I did want to take a quick second to ask you a favor. If you enjoyed this episode, or if you've been a Girls' Night fan for a while now, would you take just two quick seconds to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? Those reviews help out our podcast so much, and it really would mean the world to me. So if you take two quick seconds to do that, I would be so grateful. All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me for Girls' Night, and I'll see you next week.